Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. Today we are studying in the book of 2 Kings, chapter 25. Here's Pastor Ryan. The enemy broke down their wall, and it is a perfect picture of a person who is living a life not given to Jesus Christ. There is no defense. There is no shelter. I, I have known shelter like no other through Jesus Christ. I have known a fortress, a castle wall like no other in my relationship with Jesus Christ. We serve a God of defense a fortress, a strong wall that no one can tear down. It's, it's made and built by Jesus Christ, the carpenter from Nazareth, our Savior, the Messiah. He protects us, guys. He protects you through and through. But a person who lives for themselves, leans on their own understanding, doesn't abide in Christ, doesn't care to seek Jesus in the morning or in the evenings or in the afternoon. doesn't seek to make the Lord their God. Their life is in the balance and they don't even know it. But then there are those who know the Lord, who have accepted Him as Lord and Savior, but He's not really been Lord like He needs to be. I, I believe that, that the walls can become weak in that state as well. So we need to make sure that our defenses are up well, that we put on the armor of God, that we're spending time with the Lord so that when trials come, our walls are not broken down. Our defense is strong. And having done all to stand, the Bible says, stand. And sometimes we don't do all to stand. We do some to stand, partially, I, you know. But... The Bible says, having done all to stand, stand therefore, stand therefore. Oh Lord, build a wall around us of defense because I want to fight for you. I want to be a soldier for you. Don't you want to be a soldier for the Lord? Shouldn't we be praying for just the walls to be up and strong so we can fight? Jesus said in Matthew 7, verse 26, you remember, but who, everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain descended, the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. Great was its fall. We're reading about the great fall of the southern kingdom of Judah. In Psalm 127, it says, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Judah, unless you're with the Lord, your walls are nothing. And we see, here comes the enemy to take them. It says here that the, the men, they, they fled for their lives. He's, uh, the men of war fled. And that's never a good set of words to put together with the men of war fled no the men of war fought stood their ground 
did not buckle the, the men of war. Oh, Lord, help us to be good soldiers. The Bible says that a good soldier of Christ does not entangle himself with the cares of this world. But they fled. And what happened? The army of the Chaldeans pursued the king and they overtook him in the plains of Jericho. Could they run? Maybe a little bit, but they couldn't escape. Why? Because it's the judgment of God. It's the judgment of God upon them. It's not like the Chaldeans are just a tool. It's the judgment of God. Do you know that some of the guards in the Chaldean army were literally telling the Jews there, oh, we're here because the Lord sent us here to take you because you have not obeyed his word. Literally. Chaldeans told him that. They knew we're here because God sent us to take you captive because you, you didn't want to listen to the word. That's crazy to me. But the reality is, who can run from the judgment of God? Who can run? And so many are blinded thinking they can escape. If they, just, they just psychologically talk themselves into checking the balances for themselves. I don't think I'm that bad of a person. And the world says that. I haven't killed anybody. I'm, you know, not like him or her. That's how the world, they literally psych themselves out. You don't bend the knee to Jesus Christ. You don't care to talk to him. You don't care to pray to him. You don't care to serve him. You don't care to go into his house as he calls us to. You don't care. And you, why would he, why? We go to heaven because we want to be with him. You apparently, some people in the world, they don't want to be with them. Yet they psych themselves out like, man, you know what? I gave $500 to that hospital over there. That's got to mean something. It means zero. It means a great for the people who received it, but zero as far as you going to heaven. You can give all your money to the poor and end up, you can give your body for the poor. You can die trying to feed the poor. You'll still not go to heaven unless you receive Jesus Christ as your king. Kiss the son, lest he be angry. And there's nowhere to run from it. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 6. Revelation chapter 6, beginning in verse 12. Amen. I looked when he opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became like blood. And the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind. Then the sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up, and every mountain and island was moved out of its place. And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man, hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and the rocks fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb for the great day of his wrath has come and who is able to stand the world will not be able to hide from the wrath of the lamb that is coming it's a matter of time it's coming they cannot hide Knowing the terror of the Lord, 
we persuade men. Please, we need to share our faith with people. Share your faith with people. Just tell them to get into a Bible teaching church. Share what Christ has done for you because he is coming and vengeance is mine, says, saith the Lord. We won't be here for any of this stuff if you've accepted him. You'll be taken out of here in a big boat called the rapture like Noah and the eight. And in the fifth month, on the seventh day of the month, which was the 19th year of King Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, the captain of the guard, a servant of the king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem. He burned the house of the Lord and the king's house, all the houses of Jerusalem, that is, all the houses of the great, he burned with fire. And all the army of the Chaldeans who were with the captain of the guard broke down the walls of Jerusalem all around. And so now we read that this, this captain of the guard, one of Nebuchadnezzar's men, burned the house of the Lord, the temple in Jerusalem that Solomon had built, that had stand, stood about 400 years by this time. Guys, the temple burnt to the ground. All that's there now is a pile of burned rubble. Think about how sad that is in our story when we think about how spectacular and beautiful and stunning the temple was when Solomon built it. It was so glorious, wasn't it? Those, those chapters in, in 1 Kings 7, 8, 9, the temple that Solomon built was so beautiful. And in chapter 8, he prays to the Lord, Lord, like, you cannot be withheld in a building, but, but because you're good and we built this house, will you promise to be here? Will you put your name here? He said, Lord, when, when our people sin, and they sin against their neighbor, but they come to your house to get right, will you hear their prayers from this house and forgive them? Lord, when your people, Israel, are are beaten by their enemies because they've sinned, but they come to this house and they repent and honor your word. Will you hear them from this house and forgive them? That's how beautiful the temple was, but, but where is it now? It's in ruins because really what makes the temple is the substance within it, which are the people, whether or not they will honor the word of God. That's what makes a building. That's what makes a church. Do the people, do the preachers honor the word of God and uphold it? Because the Holy Spirit honors that. We want a church that is full of substance. Not just lights and smoke machines and cool screens behind the pastor. And, or cool, cool screens now in front of the pastor. I'm not condemning anybody. I'm just saying. As a reference point, those things are nice for those who want them. But we want this place to be filled with substance. We want the word of God to be magnified above his name. Not just from the pulpit, but how we interact with each other. Is the word of God our constitution? Is the word of God how we live? 
Are we a people that seeks God in prayer? Prayer last night was bomb. It was phenomenal. Oh my gosh, it was phenomenal. We left so empowered. And it's true. The substance is in the Holy Spirit doing a work. There are plenty of packed out churches today that, that are packed because of, of, of not the right reasons. It's more of an entertaining, kind of seeker-friendly, kind of give you the messages that you want to hear rather than the, the, the counsel of God that, that, does, that teaches and warns. Teaches and warns. We want to be a church that has substance. Then the substance is Christ. In Europe, there's the most stunning cathedrals you can ever see. And you look at what has happened to the denominations in Europe and how they have gone liberal, progressive, easy on sin, not standing up against sin like our Lord did, like John the Baptist did, like Peter did, like Paul did, like James and John and the rest. Rather, they're just all about acceptance because God's a God of love. And it's that kind of theology in Europe that has left these cathedrals, though beautiful, empty and without power. And the same happened in Jerusalem during Jesus' time. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one that kills its prophets and the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. See? Your house is left to you desolate. And at the time, it was the second temple that was renovated and added to by King Herod. So it was the second temple during Jesus' time. The first one we just read tonight got destroyed. He was around on the second one and it was so extravagant, so amazing that the disciples said, Lord, look at all these buildings. And he said, I assure you, not one stone will be left upon another that is not thrown down. So the substance, it's either going to be God's truth or go to a movie if you want to be entertained. God help me never to be a hireling. God help us all to just be about his business, speaking the truth. Jesus said, if they hated me, know that they will hate you. All right, we move on. Verse 11, the captain of the guard carried away captive the rest of the people who remained in the city and the defectors who had deserted to the king of Babylon with the rest of the multitude. But the captain of the guard left some of the poor of the land as vine dressers and farmers, the bronze pillars that were in the house of the Lord, and the carts and the bronze sea that were in the house of the Lord, that sea was that big tub where, filled with water where they would just wash all the blood off of their hands from the sacrifices. The Chaldeans broke in pieces and carried their bronze to Babylon. They broke it down to carry, carry, carryable portions. And they also took away the pots, the shovels, the trimmers, the spoons, and the bronze utensils with which the priests ministered, the firepans and the basins, the things of solid gold and solid silver, the captain of the guard took away, 
The two pillars, there they are again, the two pillars, one sea and the carts, which Solomon had made for the house of the Lord. The bronze of these articles was beyond measure. The height of one pillar was 18 cubits, and the capital of it was, was of bronze. The height of the capital was three cubits, and the network of the pomegranate and pomegranates all around the capital were all of bronze. The second pillar was the same with a network. You know, the pillars of the temple of the Lord. How much more spectacular can they get? You read how huge they were. They were so big, there was so much bronze in them that it was, it was unweightable. It was, just, it was just, they looked at it and said, yeah, there's a lot of bronze there. And the capitals are the kind of Corinthian looking things at the top. A lot of bronze. But I mean, you look at uh, pictures of the temple, you look at and you see the pillars. You see the pillars. They were spectacular pillars. I think about the pillars in the church of Jesus Christ. I think about those who have been walking with the Lord for a very long time. Those are the pillars of our church. Did you know that? I believe so. The Bible says that the silver-haired head is a crown of glory if it is worn in righteousness. Oh, I love a church with beautiful gray hair, white hair. I love a church where there's seasoned saints to help us young folks. If I can still say that, I'm 45. Help us young folks to live right, to teach the younger men to be sober, to be reverent, that the older women teach the younger women how to be chaste homemakers and those kind of, you know, just all that they have. They are our pillars. And Psalm 11, verses 3 to 5, it says that the foundations are destroyed. What can the righteous do? There are churches who are always preaching, we got to get young, we got to get young, we got to get young. And it's like, yeah, I just think God does what he does. You know, we gotta we we gotta we gotta reach out to whoever God brings in here. That's kind of my philosophy. We gotta reach out to the lost, no matter what their age is. But I love the fact that we have seasoned saints to help us, to help us feel safe, to help us feel strong and solid. Psalm seventy-one, verse eight says, "Let my mouth be filled with your praise and with your glory all the day." Do not cast me off in the time of old age. Do not forsake me when my fate, when my strength fails. I just love, you know, I can think back in our time as a church, and most of the things that have stood with me is the older brothers that have said encouraging words to me. I'll remember them forever. I'll remember them forever. Psalm 92 says, Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. That's an encouraging word, hopefully, to the pillars of our church that have been going strong with the Lord. Keep it up. We're watching you. Your faith strengthens us. It's contagious. Pillars. 
Verse 18, And the captain of the guard took Sariah, the chief priest, Zephaniah, the second priest, and the three doorkeepers. He also took out of the city an officer who had charge of the men of war, five men of the king's close associates, who were found in the city, the chief recruiting officer of the army who mustered the people of the land, and sixty men of the people of the land who were found in the city. So Nebuzaradan, captain of the guard, took these and brought them to the king of Babylon at Riblah. Then the king of Babylon struck them and put them to death at Riblah in the land of Hamath. Thus Judah was carried away captive with its own land. So some of the king's officers, some of, and then the priests of the temple. And if you read Second Chronicles, these, all of them were all in sin. All of them were, had turned from the Lord. So the people were led astray and judgment just hit them in the form of, of Nebuchadnezzar's guy here. And so then he made Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, governor over the people, who remained in the land of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had left. Now when all the captains of the armies, they and their men, heard that the king of Babylon had made Gedaliah governor, they came to Gedaliah and Mizpah, Ishma, the son of Nethaniah, Jehoanan, the son of Keriah, Sariah, the son of Tanahumeth, Jaazaniah, and their men. And Gedaliah took an oath before them and their men and said to them, Do not be afraid of the servants of the Chaldeans. Dwell in the land and serve the king of, the, of Babylon, and it shall be well with you. But it happened in the seventh month that Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, the son of Elishamah, of the royal family came with ten men and struck and killed Gedaliah and the, the Jews as well as the Chaldeans who were with him at Mizpah. So Gedaliah, his story is also in Jeremiah chapter 40, 41. And like he told them, hey guys, uh, yeah, I was made the governor, but just chill and do whatever the Babylonians tell you to do. You read Jeremiah that's all Jeremiah was telling the people. Look, this is God's judgment. We've sinned against God. Don't fight against the Chaldeans. Don't fight against the Babylonians. Do what, do, just chill. This is punishment. Chill, take it. Take it on the chin. But they're not. They're not. And they're doing away with God's prophets. And in fact, they, they, you know that uh, this commander dude from Nebuchadnezzar, he, he's the one that released Jeremiah from prison. Because he was preaching the truth of God. And his own people threw him in jail. Check, check. His own people. Threw him in, in jail. And God had the, their enemies release him. And then this guy, the governor, he was warned in Jeremiah. He was warned, hey, this guy wants to take you out. And he's like, ah, so what? So then he gets taken out. And all the people, verse 26 small and great, and the captains of the armies arose and went to Egypt, for they were afraid of the Chaldeans, because they killed the governor. So now they go to Egypt. And Jeremiah would go as well, guys. Now it came to pass in the 37th year of the captivity of Jehoiachin, king of Judah, in the 12th month of the, on the 20th, 27th day of the month, that evil Merodach, king of Babylon, in the year that he began to reign, released Jehoiachim, king of Judah, from prison. So evil 
Merodach is the next king after Nebuchadnezzar. And so we see here that he releases Jehoiachim, still alive. We don't know why he gave him favor, but he did. He spoke kindly to him and gave him a more prominent seat than those of the kings who were with him in Babylon. So Jehoiachim changed from his prison garments and he ate bread regularly before the king all the days of his life. And as for his provisions, there was a regular ration given him by the king, a portion for each day, all the days of his life. You know who would come from this man's seed? Because he comes from King David. So eventually, Jesus Christ, our Messiah, will come through this guy. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 10 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicolette Street in Banning. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and just hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. Chapman, above.